On the other side of the resurrection, God's plan for our redemption continues. And his resurrection power is on the move. And today, just as we read, we're going to look at that end of Luke and the beginning of Acts here. The story of God's grace flooding out to the world as the good news of salvation in Jesus spreads, spreads to the end of the earth. And we're going to continue this sermon series that we've been working through on momentum. So we're going to dive into our text today. We're going to grab hold of this Holy Spirit momentum that proclaims God's saving power for all people and invites us to participate in this story that is bigger than we are. Now our text today is the ascension of Jesus, and Luke is the only one that directly records the ascension in a gospel and then picks it up again with a few more details in that that Acts account. Now I know what you're probably thinking. Hold up. Why are we going back to Acts chapter 1? We've just been looking at Acts chapter 4. We looked at 5 and 6. We looked at 9. We looked at 10. We looked at 8. What's going on here? And the debate broke out amongst the pastors and Alex Gilbert on our uh, worship team. We started wondering, why didn't we just start immediately after Easter with Ascension and then go to Pentecost? And Alex reminded us all that because of the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and ascension, we celebrate those 40 days in between them. And I thought that's a fantastic answer. But I wasn't satisfied, friends. So I did a Google search and I deep dived this bad boy. I didn't stop at page one. I went to page two, found something that I kind of liked, went to page three. And if you can believe it, it officially became a deep dive because I found on page four of Google, and probably don't check this out, this. It turns out when they were creating the preaching schedule way back when, and the liturgy. Father Lucas, a great, 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 great grandfather of George Lucas, Star Wars guy, he put this together. So it makes total sense that we would start with four, five, six, and then jump back to the beginning like we all know we would. But Luke really does do a fantastic job of connecting his two books by bringing his gospel, uh, not to a close, because he shows in the gospel of Luke, this is everything that Jesus began to do. In Acts, this is everything that Jesus is continuing to do and teach through the ministry of his disciples when they are filled with the Spirit. And our gospel shows that he ascends, and while he's ascending, he's blessing them. He's ascending into heaven, and then they fall on their knees and start worshiping. In Acts, there's this discussion about power that we read. The disciples are standing there. They're like, is this when you're going to have your earthly power, Lord? What's going to happen? Is there going to be some political gain here? But Jesus isn't about that power. He's about the otherworldly power the power of the Holy Spirit, which they're going to receive next week at Pentecost, and then they will bear witness to Jesus who he is and what is offered in his name, not just for the people of Israel, but for all nations and for all people. And as as I spent some time with the text this week, I loved how at the beginning of Luke's gospel, you see this idea at Jesus' birth and at his resurrection, worship. See, when he was born, the angels were there. They were worshiping, right? The shepherds came. They were worshiping. And now here at the very end, as he is ascending back into heaven, there is worship again. Only this time, they know what they're worshiping. They're worshiping the one who has brought peace and goodwill. They are worshiping the one who there is forgiveness of sins and salvation in his name to all who believe. The ascension is the end of Jesus' earthly ministry for himself, but continues now through his apostles, and also through us today. Now, if you're sitting there wondering, like good Lutherans would, what does this mean, Jesus' ascension? Well, with our Lord's 
earthly ministry done, we learn a few things here. First and foremost, we know where he is and we confess it to this day. See, it's important to know that Jesus did not die again. There is no second death here by Jesus. There is no mysterious disappearance like what happened to that guy. We also know he's not a, merely a historical Jesus who lived and died in the first century. See, Jesus presents himself as alive to the apostles because he cannot die again, and he is still alive today and will be forever. Our faith is grounded in the eyewitness testimony of these apostles who encountered Jesus alive after his death. And this faith has been confirmed from the first century to today by the church's experience of Jesus' livingness and his presence to us in worship, through prayer, through our communal life together, and the promise that he will come again. See, we confess and believe that he has ascended into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now, we may not be able to geographically you know, point that out on a map and say, oh, this is where it is in space, but we do know what that image means, that right hand of the Father. It's an image of power. It's an image of authority. It is the very closest position given to one who has complete trust and honor. And Jesus has that from the Father. Paul says it best in Ephesians that we prayed over right at the beginning when he said, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked or called upon, not only in this present age, but in the one to come, God has placed all things under his feet and appointed Jesus to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He ascended, friends, because Jesus Christ has all rule, power, authority, dominion, and majesty. He rules over all things for the sake of his church. That's why he ascended. Because in his absolute power, he knows what is best for the church and for us. And we know and believe that he is in charge over everything and is always working for the church and for us. When hard times, when persecution comes, we don't fear. As the people of God, we withstand. For in Him, in His power, and by His grace, we prevail and trust no matter what comes because He is in charge. He's not confined to some chair. He goes where He wants and sends his spirit upon each one of us to bless us, to bless his church, to serve us, to serve his church, to empower us with this otherworldly momentum to love and bear witness. His earthly ministry may be done, but the Lord never stops working. Remember when he said that about the Father in John chapter 5? The Jews said, how can you say that God is working? He's, he's at rest on that seventh day. And he's like, now my father is working to this very day. And so too will I. There's no 15 minute breaks, no vacations for Jesus. He is at work in us and through us and in all things. This ascension is this important and transforming time for us as Christians, for the church and really for the entire world. Because some would say that it is this time this ascension and the Pentecost that follows that ushers us into the end times, the times that we are living in now. And wouldn't it have been something to see that ascension? 
I mean, like, what do you think it would have looked like if you, uh, let's say he ascends in 2021, right? If it was nowadays. I think first off, when he comes in through the doors that are locked, after being like ridiculously scared, they'd be like, do it again, do it again, only this time we're going to film it. It's going to hit number, it's going to be great. We got to do it again. Then Jesus, he wouldn't have asked for fish. Does anyone know what he would have asked for to prove that he was real? You said it, ma'am, a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, no pickles. And then he would have busted down and said, and make it abundance of sauce, no more shortage. Jesus would, (laughs) sorry, that was too far. Can you imagine what they would have done? They probably would have been sitting there taking pictures too. Ascension selfies, all the disciples right there. The, only the feet of Jesus getting in it. You can insert a TikTok joke when you retell this story to your friends because I really don't know what that is. But no matter how it would have looked in the present or in the past, it ends the very same way, friends. Here it is. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshiped him. If we can take anything away today from the ascension, is that there is great joy, there is amazement on account of everything that the Lord has done, that he has finished, that he has completed everything on our salvation. And all that there is left now to do is to worship Jesus. Let me say that again. If you take anything away today, know that all that is left is to worship Jesus. And if you're wondering what does worshiping Jesus look like, well, Paul says in Romans 12 that we offer our very lives in worship. The totality of our lives, the sleeping, the eating, the going to work or school, the walking around life that we have, we offer that as a living sacrifice to our Lord. That he calls is our spiritual act of worship. Your life, the way that you live, is to be offered to God as a worship. That should stop us and change the way that we approach just about everything in our life. The way that we do our work, the conversations that we have with people, the routines and the way we structure our day, the way that we present ourselves. This is our way of worshiping the Lord. Yesterday, I saw that we were working with Kinship Kins and it was exhausted to play with them and to run around with them. But there was great joy in being with them. Because part of worship is loving and serving the most vulnerable. Part of worship is spending ourselves so that others can receive the hope and the love that we have. And then we come back to this portion of worship, this being together, this weekly worship, setting apart time to spend here praising God, praying together, learning and being encouraged from God's word, connecting to God and one another. That's our slogan. You know that. But isn't it fascinating how when we worship this time, how it starts at 1030 and ends at like 1129, hopefully, right? Fingers crossed. But there really isn't a mark to the beginning of the service or the end of a service. Here's what I mean. There's no like, and now worship will begin and now worship will end. There's an invocation and a benediction. Both of those are a type of blessing. We say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because we are calling upon the God as a reminder of who we are, whose we are. And that benediction is a reminder that as you go out today, that Lord that you just worshiped is with you, is keeping you, is blessing you. There is no doubt, friends, who you belong to, not just for one hour every Sunday, but for every second of every day. That's why worship starts with an invocation and closes with the benediction. 
It's because those are the words that the people of God have been speaking for the longest of times. Moses spoke them over the people of Israel so that they would know who they are being blessed by. Those words that mark our worship, that mark our lives, right? The words that we were baptized into, baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That sign of the cross that we make, that's the victory. Words and symbols that have meaning. You want to know why Jesus raises his hands and the pastor raises his when he blesses you? Because he's raising the roof and the victory, brothers and sisters. God with us, God in control, God wins. That is the blessing of Jesus pronounced over you and accompanied with gifts. Accompanied with gifts so that you can be equipped to be his disciples. Disciples who have received the otherworldly power of the Holy Spirit. You read through the New Testament, you find that these gifts, each one of us has received it. Gifts and equipped to love and to serve. To grow together in unity. To benefit the body of Christ. In his blessing, in his ascension, he has designated all who believe in him as the recipients of his grace and blessing. Not a blessing of wealth or riches, no promise of the earthly throne or an upper management position. Rather blessed so that your sins can be forgiven. Past sins, present sins, future sins. Blessed and sent to go out and bear witness to his name. The Lord's forgiveness, this gospel, this, this gift, this power of the Holy Spirit is free and given to us in Jesus and moves through us, moves dead people, dead people who are dead in their sins to life like it says in Ephesians 2 there. You see in Isaiah, it takes people who are worms dead and buried, small creatures, and turns them into mountain movers. You realize what that means when Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say, get up mountain and throw yourself into the sea. That is the power that you have been given in Jesus Christ. That your dry bones can, by the word of God, come to life, can have flesh, can have spirit. That your words of hope in Jesus can bring life to someone. That as we are slaves to this sin, to this addiction, to this me-first mentality can be broken and you can be made free in Jesus Christ. Free to become a child who is loved and known by God and will become an heir to everything that he has. Friends, we don't just receive his grace and the blessing that he himself is going to keep us he ensures us that He will be with us always to the very end of the age. That He will never turn His face from us, but be with us. Power and presence. That is the blessing that comes from our Lord's ascension. Confidence that you do not ever have to doubt. You are blessed. And in the bombardment of life, the busyness, the toil, the monotony, the mind games of never feeling good enough, come back to his blessing. Make that sign of the cross. Remind yourself what you were baptized into, who you were baptized into. 
be renewed and strengthened by his words and his promise of blessing. Set apart to be his community, his children. Not a people that will be defined by race or by status, but a people who have been united in Jesus' death and resurrection. One body, one faith, one baptism. A people who look different, have different gifts and abilities, but are here for one another. And I think that is the very best thing that you will find here in Community of Jesus. But in a time where it is all about individuality, he promises true joy and peace, amazement, wonder, blessing in his son Jesus. Blessed to worship him, to be recreated by him, and to bear witness. Now as the band begins to play, perhaps you sit here today full of bitterness and rage, consumed and belonging to these emotions that you just can't seem to come to grips with, with all the change and everything that has happened. Friends, you have been set free by this blessing, by our Lord Jesus. You have been recreated to be His, covered in our Lord's momentum of reconciliation. Maybe you feel lost and broken, filled with grief and despair and loneliness. Friends, you have been found by our Lord Jesus. You are covered in that momentum of refreshment that he brings. You find community in his people here. Maybe you've been trying to balance your life on that tightrope, trying to control, manipulate, lay that burden down, friends. Be covered in our Lord's momentum. You don't have to trust in yourself or in your own ways. Instead, be covered. Be covered by the Lord's inclusion, by the Lord's impartiality. Friends, come to the table to be fed, to be nourished by his very body and blood. Friends, come here to community, to be fed by his word, cleaned and named in the water. And friends, know that you have received the Spirit the spirit of power and know that everything you do everything can be done to worship him I love this next song it's an oldie but a goodie talks about 10,000 blessings which I refer to as like just a bazillion good million blessed by God and so we cry out back to him Lord we bless you We give everything to you, Lord, who has recreated us and called us by name. Let's sing these songs together, and then we will celebrate by going to our Lord's table.